Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Aideen O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, Fashion Stylist and Creative Consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion, and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Welcome to Smart Casual. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing our need to belong, how through fashion we have found our tribe and formed some of the most important relationships of our lives. Later on, I'll be interviewing the effervescent Louise Stokes, owner of fine and contemporary jewellery boutique Lulery. But before all that, some fashion highs. Marie? Um, my fashion high of this week was quite an exciting one because I had a coat custom made for me by Irish designer Andrew Bell, yes. um, a former guest on this podcast and a winner of the Kildare Village Bursary uh, Award. He's a really exciting, innovative, emerging designer and he very, very kindly made me a coat. And it's, um, I guess it's kind of like a reimagined trench coat, which wow. is perfect for me because I really don't yeah. like trench coats. Yeah, you were just saying that actually. Exactly. So it it um, it kind of reworks, I think. I, I I guess that's how I would describe mm. it, sort of a reimagined um, trench. You know, it's belted, it's kind of midi length, long sleeves. So he's a really innovative designer in that he uses, instead of traditional sewing techniques, he uses something called sonic welding and taping technology. So he's a really, really interesting one to watch. He's going to be graduating from the um, Royal College of Art in London um, in June. And hopefully I'm going to be going to his final year show, which I can't wait for. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be doing a little piece about it on image.ie this week. So keep an eye Fabulous. and you can have a look at the actual coat. Wait. Yeah. I it's really fabulous. Yeah. No idea really how that would work, but it sounds... He's he's pretty special, I think. Incredible. Someone to watch. Yeah. He sounded amazing on the podcast, actually. He was really interesting. So smart. Mm. Really, mm. really smart, inc- um, intelligent, creative guy. Yeah. Like, really, definitely one to watch. Wow. Mm. So, a good week for me. Mm. <laughs> Aideen? Um, as we are talking about community on the podcast this week, it was very apt that I was reading about um, English designer Bethany Williams over the weekend, um, as she's placing community at the forefront for designs. So, what that means is, instead of going straight to catwalk she starts with the enterprises or charities that she wants to help and then bases her designs on the people in them so for her autumn winter 19 collection she collaborated with Adelaide House to highlight the importance of social housing Um, Adelaide House is a women's shelter based in Liverpool which supports women leaving prison um, who have various needs such as they might be escaping domestic violence Um, she says of her designs I start with the charity then the people inspire the collection and the area informs the materials that are available I try to make a new system and close the loops or connect the dots within each system. So for this collection, she learned about the lives of 20 women um, who use the service and then stitch their faces onto sustainably sourced denim. And the pieces are so cool. They're are so, they? so cool. Yeah, yeah, really cool. What an amazing idea. And yeah. uh, 20% of the profits go to charity. So I think it's a really so lovely admirable. change to mm. the design process. Yeah, and it's a really great way of highlighting social responsibility. It's pretty so incredible. I have to say, yeah, really, really cool, I have to say. Yeah, it's changing just the whole idea of design and... 
such a, just, a strong sense of social responsibility exactly though, as well, yeah. without kind of kind ramming of it I think mm-hmm. and that was one thing she said she didn't want to ram the idea of social responsibility down people's throats also there's nothing tokenistic about there what she's doing at all. there either there is completely individual like yeah. it's so fab and what about you Sarah? Well mine is a bit more self-indulgent um, <laughs> um, yeah so I was literally over the moon to be asked to join the judging panel for this year's Image Boutique Awards uh, as a fashion stylist I've built wonderful relationships with these boutiques and and the women behind them. I have to say well done to Image and the team behind this event as I think it's imperative that we shine a spotlight on these businesses as often as we can. Uh, Between the economy and department stores taking exclusive brands off them, boutiques don't have it easy by any stretch. And it's just so lovely to do something that is completely for them and and giving them all the credit that they're due. Uh, we also had another photo shoot, <laughs> another week, another, another photo shoot. For them. <laughs> um, and I have to say a big thank you to Neve McCoy from Gallery Nine um, for the loan of the most beautiful Saloni dress. I felt like a million dollars, and for Marie's Victoria Beckham oh, number, which you know came came very close to being my high of the week this yes. week. But but Andrew really yeah. he just pipped it at the post but well, a oh, bespoke piece I suppose has yes, to talk about of. yeah but I felt amazing and you looked at, and they looked fabulous amazing. both of you mm. looked stunning yeah thank you it was gorgeous but it was a great afternoon with talking to kind of like-minded yeah. women um, about everything about boutiques and the women behind them and uh, yeah it was great it was really enjoyable big feel good factor yeah absolutely like yeah uh, so this week's topic we are talking about finding our tribe through fashion how friendships are formed around it So in an age of social media, brands have to work extremely hard to integrate themselves into modern culture. Well, to to kind of wipe out the the noise around because there's a lot of brands. So um, and with Coachella going on over the last Mm -hmm. two weekends, we all saw the scantily clad models, influencers and actors who were there courtesy of (laughs) Revolve and Sheen Clothing. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. And numerous other brands. The idea that these gorgeous women are living the dream that you can have a piece of it by buying into it and buying some cheap tat. Uh, To be honest, I find Paris Hilton in a bodycon with cat ears or a girl in a G-string and bra about as inspiring as a piece of ham. Agreed. (laughs) So it's not a tribe that I want to be part of. I don't know if I'm really showing my age here, but I also think that documentaries like Fire coming out this year have re- has really left kind of bad taste in consumers' mouths. I don't think, I now think there's something that, like anything that's hashtag Insta-worthy isn't credible or authentic. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real issue it's around going that way, I think. authenticity. So I have Coachella fatigue. I found it not inspirational at all. Were you yeah. ever into yeah, Coachella? Yeah, I would have been. Say I, about I, I never 10 been. years ago, you'd see like an actress you'd see someone like Kate Bosworth you know she was kind of she's been going she's fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. she's fantastic but she wherever would have she goes an amazing piece that you wouldn't know where it's from now it's like here's the code but her style wasn't Coachella in no. the British commas no. it was her style well well i think the Coachella style was more about authenticity and one off pieces okay. vintage finds it would have been really boho really californian Sienna miller kind of style yeah and yeah. even like i'm the the kind of influencer that is sincerely jewel she would have or Gary Pepper girl there was another yeah. one that were out kind of very early days and they they would just look incredible mm-hmm. but now it is seriously there's a lot of harnesses wow wow and g-strings yeah 
no, no to that. Um, but on a personal note, I have always been drawn to girls with a sense of style from school to summer camps, college to work. I've always gra- gravitated towards girls that have a look or an inherent sense of style. I would kind of make it my mission to befriend these girls, which is a little <laughs> bit weird. But uh, I, I kind of, I suppose, by seeing their look, I kind of thought they would, they might have the personality that matched the look. So, you know, that was really what attracted me to them, <laughs> judging a book by its cover and all that. Um, but it's also broadened my personal style and I would definitely have borrowed parts of their style and incorporated it into my own. I still have a lot of these girls in my life and they never fail to inspire me when I see them. So that's great that it kind yeah. of has longevity. Um, I, As far as kind of professionally, I didn't really realise I had a tribe through my work until I didn't really have one anymore. I remember when I started out assisting in New York and after a few weeks of working in the production studio I was based in, I just had this overwhelming feeling of belonging. Like it was just this sense of contentment that I was happy in the environment and that it was the environment for me. And I was only 20, so it was that was probably quite exceptional, you know, and at the time my friends were all living it up on their J1, but I really yeah. enjoyed what I was doing and I took it really seriously. Um, it wasn't necessarily about the people that I worked with, although I really liked the stylist I worked for. She's mm. actually Irish um, and the producer, but it was more that I was content with my surroundings, yeah. which is something that's always been incredibly important. I'm such a homebird, so I need security, you know. Yeah. Um, and then as far as, like, growing up, we all always would have, gone into town like with my mum gone shopping and stuff and I would have socialised in town in my late teens but it was only when I started styling that I really felt a part of Dublin Um, I'd see the same faces every day in the department stores and numerous boutiques and it just became really lovely and familiar uh, the girls in costume in particular have always been exceptionally lovely to me they even let me use their space upstairs when I started my personal styling that, business yeah. which was just beyond generous so I owe them a lot and even when I have gone through kind of rough times in the past and you kind of do your your gratitude mm-hmm. journal and you're trying to find those very basic needs, you know. So for me, it was like f- first thing in the morning, a hot shower, a cup of tea. And then it yeah. was when I went doing my rounds kind of styling, it was seeing those familiar smiling faces. Yeah. And I don't think people realise how important it is to get that face-to-face time with people. And it, it would really take my mind off whatever problems I was having. So... um. I think that's kind of, you can't put a, a, a price on no. that kind of interaction. Um, and then when I was off having my family and living outside Dublin, it was actually so rare for me to go into town. And I felt like a complete alien when I did go into town. It was awful. I used to just kind oh, of... I can't imagine you feeling like that. Yeah, no, it was, it was bizarre. Well, that's why I just found it so tough. I didn't, I kind of felt like I was a bit of a failure that I didn't belong. You basically. felt like you'd lost that community. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I just kind of run around, head down and kind of just, you know, get on with whatever I had to do. And it was actually really daunting then when I came back styling I actually had to set aside a day to kind of do the rounds and reintroduce myself mm-hmm. not that they'd forgotten I'd built it up in my head you know of course, a lot yeah, being a thing. Thing. yeah it was a lot bigger than it actually was and everyone was so lovely and kind of welcomed me back with open arms and I have to say like every person that said to me you know they were happy for me to be back I remember each and every person that said that to me so you don't underestimate the power Mm -hmm. of you know those kind words or if you're kind of half thinking of saying something then just say it because people really appreciate it Um, 
but then as far as kind of my my oldest fashion friend, someone that has been in my tribe since the beginning, it would have to be Mary Green, who's the owner of Divine Boutique mm-hmm. in Maynooth. I met Mary when I was assisting Catherine Condell on Off the Rails Live fashion show back in 2005. And I remember this beautiful blonde walking in, looking like a supermodel. And she was so lovely and down to earth. And we had asked all the brands and boutiques to, we'd given them themes. And I just remember being so impressed that she had everything perfectly in theme, you know, and it just really stood to me. That's, I was kind of, I suppose I was judging her on first impressions as well and like not just looks and um, 14 years on she's still one of my closest friends and we had our babies around the same time and I'm currently helping her with the interiors of her house so our bond goes way beyond fashion but that's where it started and we'll always kind of go back to that which is lovely that is so cute it's lovely it is great so nice um, I think when I was thinking, I was sort of mulling over this topic last night and, and just on a basic, ba- very sort of basic level, I was thinking the sort of the most obvious example of how clothes invite a sense of belonging um, is is uniformed careers. Mm. Um, but it's so funny. I remember when I started working first, the idea of being in a career that required a uniform, you know, would have been like a trauma for me mm. because I just, I got such a kick out of getting up every day and, and picking my outfits. You know, not so much when I was in college because I had no money. So, it was really when I started working that it, that it became just like it got me out of bed in the morning yeah. putting together yeah. an outfit and such I remember thinking such a novelty mm. and you know such an opportunity to kind of have express fun and, and express yourself especially you know for someone like me who kind of really had no voice at all until I was about 40 <laughs> really if truth be told but um so it was a really nice way to express myself and I remember thinking God how depressing would it be to go into yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know to be in a career where you have to job. wear a uniform yeah. but I guess most of us find our sense of belonging through clothes in a more subtle way than than having to wear a uniform and I think that works really well for, for some people perhaps um, but I mean last week I spoke about um, how I'm sort of very drawn to women with short hair and I definitely think I feel like that's maybe my tribe to some extent yeah. um, that I, I, I try to, I, you know, I'm always drawn to their style. And um, I think maybe subconsciously it's 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 that desire in all of us to belong on a, on a very something. subconscious level. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think they're the women I'm sort of drawn to. Um, and I think it's interesting what's happening these days, whereas, you know, in the past, um, I guess fashion tribes like goths or hippies or rockers, whatever, it was more of a zeitgeisty thing or a, a cultural thing. And I do think now it is actually the global brands that are defining um, that sense of belonging mm, um, yeah. and those tribes because you know we would refer to sort of the Gucci girl mm. or the Saint Laurent woman Absolutely. or you know the old Celine woman mm. that, that kind of thing and I do think it's interesting because of course you know there is a huge commercial opportunity there for brands you know to invite that sense of belonging because you know I think everywhere you read now with the, you know, rise in social media or the, or the rise in social media, I, I, I sound like I'm ancient there. It's, <laughs> it's risen. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken over. <laughs> but, um, you know, every, every, everything you read suggests that, that there's an increase in, in loneliness and in alienation in the mm. world. And I think, you know, brands benefit from encouraging that sense of community yeah. that, that they invite for sure. Um but I think, like you, Sarah, all of my adult friendships have been built around fashion. And um, I think that's a really lovely and significant thing. Mm. Um, 
I think, like, you know, you're one example. I think Neva Donoghue, you know, Susie Cohen, who's a, an image contributor. I think I've met all of you in, in sort of my, you know, late 30s, mm. 40s and, and just clicked. And yeah. it, it has been through a love of style and yeah. an understanding of fashion and an appreciation of those things and a mutual kind of respect for that ability, I, mm. I, I guess, we, we all have with fashion, which is really, really nice. Um, but I think, you know, it is interesting just listening to you talking about those feelings of, of community in town and those feelings of alienation when you stepped away mm. from it. Because I think although fashion can foster this incredible sense of, of belonging, it can be such an alienating environment as well. And I know for me when I, I mean, this is actually my role at Image is the first time that I've had a, a fashion title, although I've been in editorial and magazines for 20 years. I, I had a variety of different titles, right. but it was never strictly fashion. Um, and I was massively intimidated dealing with people in town when I took on this role because I wasn't known. I spent a lot of my career in London, so I wasn't really known in this industry mm. in Dublin, not even in magazines particularly imagine, yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I did feel very, very intimidated. But it is interesting because once you get to know people on a one-on-one level, mm-hmm. we're all the same. Mm. We're all yeah. just trying to support each other and get along. Yeah, and, and, we're all, and we're all just trying mm. to do the best job we can. Um, and I think like one example is, Sarah, the time that I met you, you um, emailed me um, and I had not been at Image very long at all and you emailed me to request a meeting mm. and of course I'd been following Sarah's work for, for years little did I know <laughs> I'd been following her work for years so when the email came in I was like and and I guess you know funnily enough I would have been probably quite intimidated by you because I had Crazy. followed your work for years and I'd occasionally seen you around town and you were blonde and tall and thin and all those boxes ticked and doing great work and everything and I remember finding it kind of bizarre that suddenly you were emailing me you know, to yeah. to talk about work and and requesting a meeting with me, um, and I would I didn't know what to expect, you know. And then we sat down and we hit it off straight mm. away. And you were so self deprecating, and um, <laughs> little did you know and, I was having an internal like <laughs> crisis, combustion. yeah, internal combustion. <laughs> but it, it was lovely because you were so self deprecating and and so respectful to me, even though you know I'd been in the role five minutes really. But you were um, so respectful of of my position and. Um, and it was lovely and I think we bonded and, and I got couldn't on really, believe really my well luck. Since. I couldn't believe you knew so much about my work. I literally you, knew like, way too much about you our work. You remembered shoots that I didn't remember I did. <laughs> I blame baby brain but it was it was a really lovely meeting and it was um, definitely a turning point for me. Oh, yeah, that's, personally. that's lovely. Yeah, so. But, you know, but it was, it was it, again, it was just another example for me of, um, of of how you can forge. A lot of people say that you don't forge real friendships later in life. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. say Not that to me and I, I, I don't believe that at all. No. I think for me, some of the, the, the strongest relationships in my life have been forged mm-hmm. um, in my 40s um, or late 30s and and have been built around fashion which mm. is you know sometimes has this reputation of being such an alienating and um, bitchy mm. or unkind industry um, and it really isn't at all certainly not in Dublin nope. at all oh, yeah, I never people. found it because I was a bit intimidated like coming up from Kerry really no clue <laughs> <laughs> but I was welcomed with open arms of course um, you were <laughs> fabulous um, I think this like is such an interesting topic just because fashion has such power to create that sense of community. And over the years, I have definitely, definitely tried to be part of one or aspired to be a part of one. And growing up, I definitely wanted to be the traditional top, top girl. Like Kate Moss was Mm. the pinnacle. Like she was so cool with the skinny jeans and the leather jacket. And 
her festival fashion like was just unbelievable and I think I did really try to be that girl and I also listened to a lot of indie music and alternative music and I think I thought I was a groupie mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was about 15 was and there. that I was going to marry I Alex Turner 25. Yeah. yeah from the Arctic Monkeys like I was like I'm going to marry I him I yeah. phenomenal yeah. sorry <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was definitely aspiring to be that um, and subconsciously I think I still am um, like I still adore Top Shop that whole girl that they had created I just mm. that kind of London girl that's kind of like what I always thought I yeah. wanted to be when I was older but my style has evolved over the years um, and at the minute I don't think I belong to any particular grouping um, however I am trying and failing at dressing like I'm French because <laughs> I have this thing in my head now that I want to look like a French girl and I was like over the weekend I wore a satin skirt with a little cardigan trying to be one of the rouge girls yeah very nice I don't know how it turned out but <laughs> I I don't know where this has come out of but I just think the whole thing is that like with fashion that there's this amazing sense of identity that it can bring mm. and that you can look at a particular group of girls or a brand and think that you want to be a part of that and want to be part of that world. And I watched a documentary actually over the weekend about punks in Ireland. Oh yeah, is this this My Tribe thing? Yeah. I, yes, I saw, mod, I saw oh a little God, bit yes. of, of the punk one actually. It was so, so cool and it was just unbelievable to see the sense of belonging yeah, and yeah. community that's there. So and true. I think a lot of people question those groups like emos and goths mm. and stuff like that. Um, but to actually feel a part of something that's distinctive and to find others who think like you and dress mm. like you is, I think is really a wonderful thing when maybe the rest of the world doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's really liberating. Yeah. Like as a teenager, I always wanted to dress like my friends. That was just, I think we all go through that. Mm. And a lot of the time, we all probably ended up looking the same, but at the time you wanted to fit in, you didn't yeah. want to oh, stand out. really important. Yeah. Completely, yeah. yeah. And definitely when you're 14, 15, I remember going to discos and there was like, there's the U-Club disco uniform. It was mm. white hot pants and oh, one of these tops. They were like billowing tops with a diamond face on it. And like, I definitely wore it and like, I'm great, so glad it was like, yeah. I'm too old for the hot pants wow. face. Oh my God, yeah. I'm like with a pair of pumps and that was like the be all and end all of my fashion wow. world. I don't dress like that anymore, thank That's God. That's very challenging. Yeah, that was a challenging look. And we all wore it, like, because some of the shops in a home, it's the exact same top in different colours. So you'd have to make that sure to so your friend, funny. like, are you wearing the green one? Yeah, or the there red was one definitely on the a uniform. Yeah, the there was a uniform, yeah. like, you had to. But as you were saying about relationships, um, fashion has enabled me to forge connections with others because of style. And that's something I think that is more important to me than feeling like I belong Mm-hmm. to a particular group so like as I mentioned before I have a really good wonderful connection with my mother and my aunts and that is through fashion and that mm-hmm. has been over the years like we have a family wedding at the weekend and this has been going on for two years what outfits we're wearing and yes, like so any conversation <clears throat> oh my god like any conversation I have with my mother now is like about the outfit and I know exactly what she's wearing but she is bringing I bring up something or she brings up something or someone's buying a new bag to go with the dress and it's just this constant conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's so lovely. And also since I started Image, I have to say that I have a particular sense of belonging and a feeling of being a part of the tribe with my colleagues on the digital team. Yes. Because Great. each and every one of those girls have distinctive style. We're all completely different, but we just love fashion mm. and we talk about it as much as we can. We're always comparing notes. We're always comparing what we're buying. Like whenever someone gets a package into work, we're all on top of it. <laughs> and I think like that's just such a lovely way of bringing us together. Mm. And I love that and it makes me feel really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> well, on that lovely note, uh, we'll wrap up our chat and stay tuned for my chat with Louise. 
From wedding guests to bridesmaids, festivals to the races, summer dressing calls for a lot of variety and you can find it all at Kildare Village. For summer dressing inspiration, Kildare Village teamed up with sister duo Ruth and Jane Flanagan of Style Ignite to style the perfect array of new season outfits for any occasion. To check it out in action, visit kildarevillage.com for more details. It is with absolute delight that I welcome Louise Stokes to the Smart Casual podcast. Louise has been a hashtag girl crush of mine for a very long time. And if you're unfamiliar with the name, I've no doubt you'll be familiar with her business, Lulery, a shop that houses the most stunning, fine and contemporary jewels. It has been a regular haunt of mine since it opened in 2007, as I know I will always be able to source pieces that will elevate my editorials. Louise has also managed to make Lulery the go-to place for gift buying. And personally, I am delighted that my husband has made many a last minute dash into the store, as I'm guaranteed something I will cherish. Louise, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Wow, it's a, it's a huge honour. I'm a big fan of these podcasts. I love them. And we're a big fan of you. Thank you. Well, we'll get straight into it, as yeah. I have a lot of questions. So um, briefly tell me about your career to date. Yeah, so um, Lulery is 12 years uh, old now. So we started in uh, 2007 and moved home from New York. Um, I went, basically studied in Trinity, always worked in retail for his job as Brian Thomas. Um, moved to New York, worked in the fine jewellery industry for a couple of years. It was amazing. Um, really, really tough, but really good. Um, but I always wanted to work for myself, always wanted to do something different. So when I, I moved home in 2007, uh, found a store, kind of put it all together. I suppose it was pre-brand at the time it was mm. just I was just thinking of the store and the concept I have a, a, a had a sketchbook that I kind of kept the whole time I was in New York like all the ideas storefronts designers I and uh, yeah so I opened on Chatham Street and then last year we opened um, our second store within Arnott's on the newly refurbed ground floor and then we have lulery.com and our Instagram is lulery jewellery Excellent. So where did the interest come from? Was it always an interest in fashion or jewellery or? Um, It's funny. I always think it's like a sliding doors moment. No, for me, it was always fashion. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because I've almost come around a a different approach. Um, I always wanted to do fashion. So I think that's working in retail. I worked for Louise Kennedy. Then when I was in New York, that was I was hell bent. But I got a jewellery internship and you have to have that for your visa or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I was like, look, I'll give it a try. It was extreme. It was fine jewellery, which Mm -hmm. ended up up being really good for my business that I'm in now but I think I interned for Alexis Batar and I started to see that there was a jewellery a way to do fashion but in jewellery and that was kind of mind-blowing to me Mm. because I'd never seen designers who you'd lose sight or you know carved things it was all very classic in my Mm -hmm. head because that's all I had seen really in Dublin so yeah then once I started to kind of work in the fine jewellery I began to just the whole time just living in Manhattan and and sort of immersing yourself like I would go to this place called Designer um, I think it's called Designer showroom it was in like a school hall in Elizabeth Street and um, it's where emerging designers used to show and I found a few there and I mean some of them went on to sell in Henry Bendel and everything so I think that was my it really opened my eyes to a a very much jewellery from a fashion perspective you know as opposed to what I thought jewellery was just uh, wedding jewellery and this is what it is and it's just solitaires but I think now of course it's completely different but back then you know Mm. it, it, it was very much just one way yeah absolutely and tell me what do you love most about running the business? Um, 
the people, mm. uh, apart from the beautiful things, like I still get as excited, like every collection when the DHL comes, I'm still ripping it open. Like, I, I mean, that's not surprised. That's just, it's really funny because we all have in our, in our, uh, in business, everybody has a different brand they like better. Um, so like Tara always jumps up when it's Oscar and, you know, I like to see the finer pieces, mm. especially the ones I design, I get all excited. But that's a huge part, obviously, is the pieces yeah. um, because you're so far behind the time, you know, you, you might have seen them eight months ago. Yes, exactly, so that yeah. I love. But to be other, the other part is the, is the people. You know, we have a team of 12 now. Wow. Um, so I work with some. I'm very lucky to have an amazing team. And also the designers, you know, we have um, really built friendships, you know, mm. um, like Lisa from Lulu Frost is like a good friend now mm. and, and Maggie from Mignon Gavigan. So mm. it, I feel very lucky to have people that like really get what you do and really appreciate that. And, you know, um, so that that's a huge plus for me. Amazing. And did you always design your own jewellery? No, or? no. Okay. Um, that was something that when I when I worked in fine jewellery, it was it, it was design houses basically. Um, it was huge companies. So we mm. would I was a sales intern, so we would sit with buyers and they would say what they wanted, and we would basically design those collections. Now I was in sales, so my job was the selling part. But that whole process of design, like sitting at the meeting, mm. seeing the sketching, mm. seeing the stone sourcing, going through quality control, like that was it's like magic for me. Wow. So um, it wasn't something I was. I, I definitely wanted to buy and I had a very sort of a sort of decided edit of what I wanted to do but then just organically people would want things made or when you're in retail you just start seeing gaps and yeah. I was like well I can't find that thing so maybe I'll just make it so the design thing I think had always been a love I just hadn't really um, decided to go down that path mm-hmm. but now it's a huge part of our business then. amazing yeah. and is it do you do like wedding rings and no, things no we, we did try doing okay. that um, and we do, do we did do bespoke but I think you know everybody in business goes through you try and do everything for mm-hmm. everybody that's just not really I'm not a gemologist I'm mm. not um, you know that's just not our thing of yeah. course we take on very specialised projects okay. but for us it's a very unique look yeah. you know the Lulary look so I have done things for friends or yeah, you know yeah, yeah. very special people but only if it's something that I think is a, a true Lulary look then we would do it but no the Lulary fine jewellery collection is something that I suppose is something I've trained in mm. fine jewellery was my whole training in New York um, and I think it's maybe where just organically when I opened you know, the fashion lines were great, but now I want pieces that I'm going to wear forever. Yes. So it was just, you know, finding the perfect pinky ring. Well, then I just designed one or, you know, the perfect sort of hoop earring. That's it's sort of naturally evolved into a collection. I didn't sit down one day. So it took a while, but we're in our fifth year. Of wow. It now, so, yeah. Amazing. That's fantastic. Um, OK, so what's your earliest fashion memory? Um, I do you know. I think it was actually my Deb's dress. Oh. Uh, I remember it was like um, it was cut on the bias. And again, for me, fashion is all about how things feel. Mm. And it was the most amazing like silk crepe material mm. and had a cowl neck. Mm-hmm. And it was backless. And I remember this lady in Kalini made. I don't know. I don't know who. But yeah. like back in the there day, was always you a all lady just went to Kalini. You <laughs> <laughs> just went to this lady, and we all rocked in. But I just, I absolutely loved the fi- the fabric and the feel. Yeah. So, um, and I just, and and I think. Again, probably determined what I would do with my career. But yeah, I loved the fact that it was my little stamp on it. Amazing. So I think that was my first one. What colour was it? It was like, which is funny because I never wear red, but it was probably like a dark red. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And hair and makeup, what did you go for? Oh, my hair uh, My hair was like in a kind of an up style, which I never oh, wear now. Yeah. Like it was not great. And makeup was, was probably super minimal because we didn't like tan was not around. So I probably looked really palely mm-hmm. ghostly. Mm-hmm. Had like the 
body shop, you know, that kind of compact that we all used. It was one one colour fits all and maybe eyeliner. A lot of eyeliner. God, I wore like a lot more makeup then. Yes. Always a smoky eye. But yes. like you know, put on with a trowel. Like, it was heavy-handed. That was my hair. And you really look. needed it, like, as a 17-year-old. Like, I just don't know. Yeah, I know. And there was no YouTube tutorials. Yeah, I dread to think. Thank God there was no social media when I was 17. <laughs> Absolutely. So describe your style now, then. Um, I probably would say I've got a very classic style. Um, you know, I love monochrome um, from working in retail for years. I always loved black. Um, but it's it's very much, I, I like contemporary twists. So mm. I, I'm not a slave to trends at all because I think I in your 20s, I probably went through that phase in New York. So for me now, it's, it's tailored, it's classic, but it'll have something a little bit edgy. Um, I'll probably wear like leather pants or studded boots or something. So, yeah. but it's very much me. I'm not... I'm kind of done with that whole seeing something come out and then me me try and fit into it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I like to kind of take little elements. And, yeah, and you kind of strike me as someone, you've got that kind of Parisian look about you. You know, it's kind Thank of, you. yeah, it's understated and classic and it's it's about the quality yeah. of the fabrics. Yeah, so like, you'll have you know, a really well-cut blazer with yeah. your leather pants and, yeah, cool shoes or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, I, saw, I, I suppose it's, it's that, you know, the style is kind of effortless mm. and that's not... It's not contrived. It is mm. literally because I'm so busy. It's yeah. almost like a uniform that I just yeah. change it up with jewellery a lot. Yeah. So that's your kind of go-to look yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of accidental yeah. in that it's a perfect base to showcase yeah. your jewellery. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've always loved monochrome. Mm-hmm. I've always loved like really simple things like classic white shirts, beautiful jeans, like a black dress. Mm. And then I suppose buying these amazing jewellery collections um, ha- has meant that I can change up my look, you know, yeah. from spring to summer. And also, you know, growing a business through recession, I didn't have a lot of money and I'm like, you know, on show basically in the store the whole time. I, I would invest. In, I'm all about keeping pieces mm. and then you can totally transform them with jewellery so yeah. like I could actually get dressed in the morning run in and then your whole outfit is updated if I put on an amazing pair of earrings Absolutely. or a necklace so yeah I suppose that has had a huge influence yeah. is having a, it's having a little jewellery box to dip into every totally. day is kind of yeah. nice yeah. and it's a great time for it because it's all about the statement earrings yeah. not just the necklaces or whatever the, you know the head pieces you, you, there's so much to offer yeah. there and so much you can do with them um, so do you have favourite pieces in your wardrobe um. Yeah. Like I probably I have these. They're actually not intentionally, but they're a vegan leather, um, pants. I didn't I didn't know that at the time I was buying them. They're just extra long. They are amazing because they go with like everything. Yeah. I'm all you know. I'll wear like floaty dresses, and then when it comes to autumn, I, I still want to wear them. So I'll put my those leggings yeah, on. They yeah. just they are the hardest working piece in my yeah. wardrobe because I wear them all the time. Um, pieces I I'm all about like saving for things. Like I'd rather have like one really really good thing. So um at the moment this Isabel Bryce that from him costume is my absolute favourite and um, my dad got for my birthday Aww. and again I don't need you know I think I've passed a little bit of the Zara hit where I used to get that hit all the time yeah. whereas now it's because this is cotton and you don't have to iron it and you can wear it's it like functional. 75 yeah. yeah I think they're the kind of things that I like love but uh, my husband like hate but I, I love something and then I wear it to death like yeah. it's terrible like yeah. I wear the same pair of trainers for you yeah 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 me too That's me, me too yeah. absolutely but it's also being a mum being yeah. a working mum yeah. and it just if it doesn't make sense if you can't run around a playground in it or you oh, know like, like the heels the are yeah. so gone I have some beautiful ones yeah. and I look at them every now and then yeah. but no those days are like so gone and I love to be honest I love that whole thing with trainers and um, yeah. dresses yeah yeah, it's a great look. And Louise, is there one piece in your wardrobe that when you put it on, you feel instantly empowered? 
Um, yeah, the, that Peter O'Brien check jacket that I wear um, from his Dunn's Stores collection, I went to his the, the launch and I just thought it was amazing. Like the fit, the fabric... I mean, I just have been a big fan of Peter's forever. I just think it's timeless yeah. and uh, it's just incredible. So I have gotten so much wear out of it. And when I put it on, it pulls everything else together. I sort of feel like it's like my boss lady jacket. Like yeah, everything's yeah. falling apart. I put that on and at least I look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know the exact but, piece and it you, is you know, perfect it is, on you. It yeah. just goes with everything yeah. and the tailoring is yeah. just his details and it has pockets in the front. Mm. I just I just love it. It has this amazing shoulder detailing and I just think tailored pieces like that, they just work time and time again mm. I'm constantly finding new ways to style mm. it um, and yeah I, I definitely feel empowered when I have it on yeah and absolutely I know like I've seen you wear the same pieces over and over yeah. again yeah. and that's really impressive how you yeah. kind of chop and change your style and I, d- I don't think that's a bad thing no like that's, not at all that's basically what my wardrobe is mm-hmm. like that's why I always say oh the hardest working piece in my wardrobe that's the whole point if you mm. have a capsule wardrobe and you're investing in really good pieces so I mightn't buy for like two months and then I'll buy like one thing yeah um, um, and I invest in, in it and yeah. it, you know like that Peter um, jacket I'll wear it over you know summer dresses I'll wear it in winter and then I change it up with my jewellery I, I think that whole thing is just out with the, the bygone era of like fast fashion mm. you know pieces that are throwaway is Thank so God. anti what yeah. I'm about um, so I lo- like I hate the way they always use like Kate Middleton oh recycled I'm like it was Alexandra McQueen of course she should be buried <laughs> in it you know you should be constantly yeah, yeah. wearing things that yeah. you love yeah. um, like rather than saving it for good wear yeah um, so do you have any like favourite brands or designers um, oh God I have such a varied Isabel? yeah I love Isabel this is Isabel Etoile. Um I, I suppose designers um, I used to love Celine not not mm-hmm. that wouldn't be Oseline. up there yeah oh, Celine <laughs> um, I suppose for me that's kind of more the aspirational thing I love Danish brands my husband's mm-hmm. half Danish so like love Stina Goya mm-hmm. actually I saw you yeah, yeah. Um, using some piece from Gallery 9 Um like when I was in New York, was a big fan of like Philip Lim, um, those kind of brands. Like now, love Ula Johnson. Yes. Oh, and my new favorite Amazing. obsession, um, which is in Havana, which is one of the best stores ever. Um, I think we're so lucky as a country to have it. It's Cecile yeah, Banson. So uh, yeah, I don't say it properly. My husband's no, like it's I, Banson or something. But <laughs> I don't More say the Danish, yeah, the Danish thing. But yeah, I love I love Danish brands. Love Parisian yeah. brands. Yeah, I love brands like I find little tiny ones on Instagram. Yes. that um, I just found another one there. I think they're in New Zealand or Australian, but mm. they use just these um. Sustainable cottons and silks, and that's how I find them. So yeah. I love finding things. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're that little, are new. You love sourcing. Yeah, and um, okay. Well, we're talking about finding our tribe through yeah. fashion and how friendships are formed. Is that something that you can relate to? Oh, it's like that's like my whole group. Aww. You know. Um, well, Pretty much all my girlfriends are in fashion. Um, to, some of my best friends are from when I worked in Brown Thomas in college. So Aurora um, and Emers. Emers now in Calvin Klein. Um, Aurora's in Dior in London. Laura, my best friend, worked for Zara for years. Like there's, we're all connected mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then through my uh, through Lulery, I got to meet like like you, like amazing mm-hmm. pieces people that are you know sourcing pieces styling editors so you do grow like Ruth from Appassionata is like one of my style crushes yeah, like she's, she's just I mean going in and I'm like sourcing like I don't know flowers for like event and then she's like wearing a Simone Roche dress and trainers <laughs> I'm like how do you look like that in a studio so oh, abso- but but I think you all have the same core values if yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like it is um, definitely you find your tribe yeah and it, do you think it's important to kind of keeping you together you know from not kind of 
when you're feeling like you're a bit of a, like things are oh, going so well or like, whatever uh, like it, it's it's huge for me because I always say you know like it has been a really and I always talk about this like whether it's been about being a mom or running a business I am like the realist you know mm. it, there have been days honestly Sarah like I did not want to go into work I just couldn't paint that face on and mm. be like everything's going to be okay when everything was not okay you know I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to survive that just the pressure that you're under and also Lulary is about exclusivity and luxury and I couldn't let mm. Mm. If I if I let that go, there was no point in me doing it. Yes. Of course, yeah. during a recession, I could have thrown in any old brand, but that's just not who I am. And that's a very hard place to be because if you lose your value, you lose yeah. who you are. So like having, you know, friends like Ruth and Apassionata, you know, we've built a great relationship with the Wesbury. My friend Ingrid Hoey is a stylist. Mm. Like people that you just ring going, oh my God, am I going mad? Mm. You know, and they just almost like bring you back together. Totally. So, you know, you just that network of freelancers, yeah. creatives. Absolutely. Other business owners, yeah, yeah, and mums. You know, like, uh, like absolutely mums, mm. because some days, you know, um, like the whole starting school and mm. am I doing the right thing and I'm travelling and all the guilt that comes with that. Yeah. Like, I am all about, I have a group, actually, I just met my friend Marie this morning for coffee before we came because it was down, and we've been friends since we were six. Mm. We lived on the same road. So I'm all about core and tribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't have that, then there, there isn't really anything else for you. I totally agree. Um, so moving on then, the importance of social social media for your brand. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, that is so new mm. for me, even still. Um, Lulary started as a boutique because I wanted to offer very specialised service, sort of the Savile Row of jewellery, mm. you know, travelling to Paris and New York. That was kind of the idea. So um, I'm, I am a total tech phobe. Like everybody laughs. I can't use like when the Sky remote is broken. I don't know how to fix it. Um, but I, yeah, I have always been about moving the business along. Like you can't stay the same. So I've always had younger girls. I'm very lucky to have amazing part timers. And a lot of the girls were studying social media mm. and digital marketing mm. and we, we actually started out with an intern um, we were doing the social ourselves and then the, we had some great interns and then we were then everybody in my in, in Lula was like yeah this is a job now so I, I was like what I'm, I'm hiring someone to take photos this is crazy I know bizarre but um, I'm so lucky now Tara basically came three is it three years ago she was studying um, digital marketing and she is now full time weirdly what happened with our um, Instagram was people love the context mm. you know we're selling like swan earrings mm. feather earrings mm. you know coral drops yeah. and when you put them on with a white shirt and a sweater people began to really respond to that so that That's was amazing. that was something that I was like okay I can get behind this yeah. and also as a creative I, I love the styling part yeah. of it yeah, I yeah. love you know so much of my my running a business is the boring parts and mm. spreadsheets so actually setting out a, a day to style it yourself and put your own creative stamp yeah. and then producing content that people respond to um, like now we shoot twice a year in Paris and ourselves and I, I think it's really about giving people um, the context and informing there's so much more to you don't just walk into a shop there's mm. so much more to it than that so social media to me now I am looking at it in a positive light but I was very slow to yeah. that well yeah. I think you're doing a 
brilliant job of it. You Thank really are. You. And it's, it kind of is selling such a, like a lovely lifestyle, but it's not ramming it down your throat at the same time, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, I was there, like Tara would be laughing. I'd be like, why do I have to take photos of coffee? I sell jewellery. I don't get this. Mm, yeah, yeah. But then I think, uh, and the whole premise with my with my Instagram, um, with the Lutery Instagram, it's, it's very collaborative. There's lots of the team, you know, will think of different ideas and shoots. It's not supposed to be this fake, oh my God, everybody mm. knows that if you watch my Instagram stories, most posting like stupid stuff like mm. I trip over Lego on the way to bed, all the mom life <laughs> stuff that goes in there. But I, I look at it as a way to escape. It's a little bit of context. It's mm. a little bit of beautiful mm. mood boards and designs that goes into the behind the scenes. Yeah. And for me, it's a, like a little creative outlet. Yeah. So that's what I, I see it as. And that's what I would hope. I would hope people are more empowered from it by looking at it going, oh, hang on, I have a white shirt. I could totally rock those earrings. That's our goal with yeah. it, really. Yeah, absolutely. And so how do you feel about the movement of you being more the face of the brand rather than it just being about lulery? Um, so I've struggled with that mm. because, you know, when we look at our stats, whatever, I mean, a face will always do better mm. in a post. Um and I think for me, I want to be very reflective of this as a team. It's not the Louise show. You mm. know, that's not what Lulery is about. It's very, very inclusive. Like I have customers from 16 to 80. You yeah. know, that's what it's about. <laughs> but I think once I've, I've changed my mindset now and now I've realized I've looked at what I'm interested in. And like, say, Maggie from Mignon Gavagon, she always posts her mood boards or she does these amazing videos about how the pieces are made. Like one necklace took four days to make with wow. these amazing Indian artisans. And I love love that and I'm not looking at her going oh my god she thinks she's amazing mm. I'm looking at it soaking it in so I suppose that's where I'm now realizing there that and it's the same with me when I don't just pick up a jewelry line it is the person you know Zoe and Morgan are two sisters and a brother yeah. that's a brand we stock so I'm now realizing okay well that's what people want to respond to Absolutely. in me the humans of jewelry kind of 100%. yeah the backstory so you know and as well I think it, it's it's not the hard sell the whole time mm. so like I I mean it's very authentic I put I'm big into skincare so that goes on there food you know um anything that informs mm. I suppose our aesthetic I'm I'm very happy to share so is that where you see jewelry moving on <laughs> um, uh, I definitely see us doing more of lifestyle stuff mm-hmm. just from the amount of engagement mm-hmm. we get. Um, I'm not going to bring it a fashion line, but I definitely think we can collaborate more with more interesting brands, people who Fab. like naturally fit with us yeah. because if we're showing a sweater and we're showing earrings. So we do that a little bit of that at the moment. But yeah, more behind the scenes. And we're just about to sort of embark on a new, uh, we're always updating our, our website and, you know, tr- trying to show as much creative content as we can so fabulous yeah well, so that's the future I'm excited to see it oh, all and thank thanks. you so much oh, thank for joining you me so today. much I, I, I really enjoy being here thank you it was great to chat to you thanks thank you. Louise bye. bye this episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village thanks for listening if you like what you hear make sure to rate review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify <laughs> <laughs>